you know, we won't know what the health impacts of today's exposures are for another 10, 20, 30 years because diseases take time to manifest. Now there's certain health impacts that we do see instantly, effectively instantly. So a great example of that is infertility and subfertility in men, particularly men who carry their phones in their pockets or use their laptops in their laps. Though that is a very well-studied area uh, of the science, and it is one where you see the impact basically immediately. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmet. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so excited to share that we've created a new podcast episode format that is going to start dropping monthly. We actually dropped our first one at the end of April and it's called a Health Transformation Audit. These are going to be short episodes and we're going to bring on community members like yourself. We'll bring you on to our show for a 15-minute Health Transformation Audit where we will guide you to identify what's holding you back from your ideal health and wellness, and we'll help you analyze so that you can walk away with a tangible action step. We are so excited about these new episodes. As integrative health practitioners and holistic health coaches, we love doing this kind of work. So grab a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, get cozy, and check out our episode 121 to hear from Kim, our first community member, on the show and just listen to how in 15 minutes in such a short period of time, she was able to get clarity on what was holding her back and walk away with a tangible action step that she was able to implement immediately. Even better, we would love to have you on. So click the link in our show notes or simply email us at theartoflivingwellpodcast at gmail.com and let us know that you'd like to sign up for your 15-minute health transformation audit today. We'd also love for you to head over to Apple Podcast if you enjoy this episode to please leave us a rating and review. Doing this takes just two minutes and it really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from the inspiring conversations and resources that we share with you each week. And if you're enjoying today's episode, we'd love for you to send it over to a family, a friend, or anyone who you think may benefit from this information. And of course, Please share a screenshot and post it to social media. You can tag us at the art of living underscore well. So now let's dive into today's conversation. Um, today's episode is talking about something that Marnie and I haven't discussed previously on this show, and it's really going to open your eyes to something that isn't widely discussed, but impacts nearly every single one of us, including our children. We are so excited to introduce R. Blank, who is an entrepreneur, technologist, an author. R is the CEO of Shield Your Body, whose mission is to make technology safer for people around the world. 
His company creates products that make it easy and affordable for people to reduce their exposure to wireless radiation from devices like cell phones and laptops. R is an internationally followed expert on issues of EMF, health and safety, and he's been interviewed on platforms ranging from ABC television to Electric Sense. R was inspired to create Shield Your Body when he co-founded the best-selling book Overpowered with his father, Dr. Martin Blank, one of the world's leading EMF scientists. R also hosts a podcast called the Healthier Tech Podcast. So if this conversation motivates you to want to learn more, we highly recommend checking that out too. He has got a ton of great insight on there in addition to his website with lots of free resources that he shares from himself and other experts in this space. So like I said, today's topic is um, not one that's meant to scare or overwhelm anyone, but it's something that's really, really important. Um, We're diving into EMFs, which are electromagnetic fields. So in this episode, R is going to break down exactly what are EMFs. We know that many of you have heard the term, but may not know what it means And even Marty and myself were pretty green on this topic. And while we we knew there were some health implications from the technology that we've all grown accustomed to using every day, we didn't fully appreciate the impact um, of EMFs and the health risks until we sat down and had this conversation with R. R is going to break it down and help you understand exactly what EMFs are. He's also going to talk about the known and scientifically proven health implications Based on our exposure to EMFs, specifically cell phones and laptops, we also dive into 5G. And, you know, the good thing is there are very simple, easy, and many of them free or relatively inexpensive ways to significantly reduce our exposure. Simply having your device, you know, six feet away from you will significantly reduce that exposure and the harm that it could bring. You know, I know Marnie and I have both taken small steps since we had this conversation with R to reduce our exposure and change habits and the reliance that we've had on so much technology. You know, I am proud to say that I have not used my once loved AirPods for three weeks now. I've been using an old school version and I'm using speakerphone a lot more. I started only wearing my Aura Ring, which I love to track my sleep. I'm only wearing that at night versus 24-7. And I've been taking off my Apple Watch and just leaving it out. And I'll occasionally put it on if I'm working out. But our company has these great products that can protect you that you wear underneath that Apple Watch. So there are lots of good tips and tricks in this episode um, to share. Um, So let's dive right in with our conversation with our blank. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. Thrive Chiropractic. I was first introduced to Thrive Chiropractic over five years ago for kinesiology-based food sensitivity testing. I was so amazed by this non-invasive and inexpensive technique that I took my son to have testing done, which confirmed some of his food sensitivities. Both my son and I now have regular tune-ups, and even my leery husband has felt the immense benefits from receiving chiropractic care, including cupping. With over 25 years of clinical experience, the doctors at Thrive Chiropractic, located in Minnetonka, Minnesota, combine their passion for wellness with a strong expertise in effective treatment approaches. When you first come to Thrive Chiropractic, the doctors are focused on helping you feel better as soon as possible, and they recognize that one type of treatment or technique does not work for everyone. Your comprehensive exam, personal goals, and individual concerns Help the doctors tailor your custom treatment plan for maximum results. 
Thrive Chiropractic's integrative approach offers holistic and effective healthcare with a full spectrum of complementary products and services, including acupuncture, massage, food sensitivity testing, CBD, and premium supplements. As a special offer, Thrive Chiropractic would like to invite listeners of our podcast to experience the gift of health with a $25 new patient visit, which includes the initial consultation, a comprehensive exam, any necessary x-rays, and first adjustments. Simply visit the website at www.thrivechiromn.com or call 952-746-5612 and reference the Arts of Living Well podcast. When you're seeking effective, non-invasive treatment approaches to support your health goals, let Thrive Chiropractic be your partner in wellness. Call or book online today. Hi, R. We are so excited that we connected through the podcast world. And today's topic is one that Marnie and I have been interested in diving into for quite some time, both in our personal lives and also with our podcast community. As we know, it impacts nearly everyone. And we know today's conversation is going to really be an eye-opener for our listeners. And we can't wait to share your knowledge and tips and resources when it comes to EMFs with everyone today. So thank you for coming on our show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here on The the Art of Living Well. You're welcome. So our everyone has a story, and we would love to hear your journey of how you became interested in the health effects of EMFs and the safety concerns, and ultimately co-authored a book and started your company, Shield Your Body. Sure. Well, it was the co-authoring the book that led to this whole current life. Uh, My father was Dr. Martin Blank who was one of the world's leading EMF scientists and effectively an activist. Um, And he'd been doing that work, you know, almost my entire life, decades. And in around 2012, he had a contract to write a book about the health effects of EMF. But unlike, you know, everything else he'd written in his life, this book wasn't targeting other scientists and academics. Uh, This was for the general public. And so he asked me, uh, for some help. And at that point, um, my career was in software engineering. I had written a book. I had, uh, I was on, uh, I'd been on the faculty of university of Southern California teaching software engineering. And, uh, I jumped in and said, yes, that sounded great. And it was in the course of writing what became overpowered, uh, that I, I just, I, I, I was struck by a couple of key, really key things. So again, my father had been doing this work my whole life. And I knew never to hold a phone up to my head. And I you know, knew why we never had a microwave when I was growing up. But I didn't really understand the issues the way that I learned to through that experience of, of writing that book with my father. So one of the key facts that I picked uh, up from that experience is that the science here showing uh, that EMF exposure is harmful is incredibly strong. And this was this was 10 years ago, it's gotten even stronger. But even 10 years ago, you know, we're talking about 1000s of studies into this subject in a wide range of biological impacts and disease uh, correlation. So the science is really strong, even though sometimes you'll hear it covered that, oh, there's an open question is a debate. The science here is really strong that this is a, um, it's effectively a toxin. But at the same time, you know, when you sit back and think about it, you realize that the sources of EMF 
uh, and I should probably in a minute explain to, to those of your listeners who don't know what that word means, what that is. But the sources of EMF or electromagnetic radiation, right, they are the things that form the entire basis of what we consider modern life to be. So that includes computers, phones, power lines, uh, refrigerators, anything that communicates wirelessly and anything that runs on power is a source of EMF. So you can't get rid of this stuff unless you were willing for the whole world to revert to a state of affairs about 1850. <laughs> so that's impossible. So I realized there had to be safer ways for beings like us to relate to, uh, engage with, and use our modern technology. And that's where the idea for what became Shield Your Body uh, started. And that was, so that was in 2012. And uh, I released our first product in 2013. Wow. Okay. So can you tell our listeners, I think you defined EMFs, you said electromagnetic radiation frequency. Is that right? Uh, yeah. EMF stands for electromagnetic field. field. And it's also okay. sometimes Sorry. called EMR, which is electromagnetic radiation. And it's okay. also sometimes called EMF radiation. So you, pick, you take, take your pick. Okay. So how, wow. <laughs> I have so many questions. Like, so I guess before we dive into the health implications of exposure to EMFs, you you mentioned, you know, that our world is kind of run on these EMFs, right? Mm -hmm. So you grew up in a household with no microwave, you mentioned. I'm assuming at some point there were cell phones maybe in your household, maybe not. Not when um, I was growing up. Okay, yeah, maybe I got were... my first, yeah, I got my first cell phone. Uh, when I was in, uh, sorry, right after I graduated college. Okay, so now you're in your own household. Mm -hmm. Do you have these EMFs in your house? Sure, I have. I have relative compared to my contemporaries, I have relatively few, but not as not as few as as some other people uh, who who go to really great lengths to reduce uh, the amount of EMF in their environment. But for instance. I mean, I have a cell phone. I, I do business. I travel. I need a cell phone. But I engage with it very differently than other people that I know. Uh, we have Wi-Fi in our house. Uh, some people get rid of Wi-Fi and put in um, Ethernet to, to fix wire everything. Uh, we don't do that, at least not yet. Um, but we turn it off at night. Um, so there are different ways. And we don't have a mic. I've never owned a microwave oven, actually. I, I I, I implicitly feel like I just don't want one of those in my life. Um, but uh, so there are certain things that we do um, that uh, we still engage with, you know, modern society and modern technology. Um, but we do so in a more intentional way than than some other people I know who, who aren't aware of these issues uh, to the degree that, you know, that I am. Also, we live in a relatively low EMF environment just to begin with. Um, the more rural a place you live in, in general, the less of this stuff that is going to be in the environment uh, around you. And in a place like uh, New York City, you know, the levels are incredibly high. So can we talk, can we back up a little bit? Um, and I wanna dive into like the health ex exposure, but you mentioned, you know, um, computers, phones, but even like power. Mm -hmm. So can we kind of go through just base level, like in an average person's home, sure. what are the can different types of, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. 
And uh, before I answer it, I'll take a, 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 a step even further back. Yeah. So I mentioned this is electromagnetic radiation, and it's a form of energy uh, created by the combination of electrical and magnetic forces. And there's many different types of EMF, and they exist on what we call the electromagnetic spectrum. So right in the middle of that spectrum is visible light, like sunlight. And sunlight is a form of EMF, and it's really, uh, it's obviously one that all of us are familiar with. And it's really, by and large, with very few exceptions, the only form of EMF that humanity was exposed to um, until the invention of the light bulb. Now, there are certain forms of EMF with more energy than visible light. And we call those ionizing forms of EMF because they have so much energy, they can knock uh, electrons loose from your cells. These are things like X-rays and gamma rays. And everyone knows there's absolutely zero debate whatsoever that, that, that those forms of EMF are incredibly harmful, even in very, very, very small doses. Right, so those, that's the ionizing forms. Now, there's also forms of EMF with less energy than visible light. And those are called non-ionizing because they don't have the same amount of energy. They can't knock electrons loose from your cells. And because they are non-ionizing, it was long thought that they were benign to human life, that they were safe. And these include things that we refer to like uh, radio frequency and microwave. Um, those are two types, uh, basically used interchangeably. There's a slight difference, but they're basically used interchangeably. And then there's even lower forms of, of non-ionizing, lower energy forms. And we call those extremely low frequency uh, or ELF. Can so I interrupt radio, you for a second? Yeah. So would that be like a walkie-talkie? So anything that communicates wirelessly uh, is using radio frequency or microwave. Okay. Go ahead. And yeah, no, no, that was a great question. So anything that communicates wirelessly uses RF or microwave. Um, again, those are basically interchangeable terms, uh, but that's also the type of energy that your microwave oven uses to cook, right? Because that's where it gets its name. It's using microwaves to cook. Then as you get further down, I mentioned ELF. That's the type of EMF that comes off of power lines, AC appliances, anything that uh, the electrical wiring in your home, anything that runs off of power is a source of ELF. Okay, that was really helpful. Trying to digest all of that. Yeah, I know. No, take your time. <laughs> so, so what are the health implications of all of this exposure? Um, well, you know, to a certain extent, I can answer that question to a certain extent, you know, we won't know what the health impacts of today's exposures are for another 10, 20, 30 years, because diseases take time to manifest. Now there's certain health impacts that we do see instantly, effectively instantly. So a great example of that is infertility and subfertility in men, particularly men who carry their phones in their pockets or use their laptops in their laps. Though that is a very well studied area. Uh, of the science. And it is one where you see the impact basically immediately. Uh, at the same time, you see the impact of stopping those behaviors also immediately, right? Because men regenerate their sperm approximately every 24 hours. So if you take the phone out of the pocket or you stop using the laptop on the lap, you start to see regeneration in, uh, in sperm count and motility almost immediately. 
But that's just one example, right? The, the, what we see, and we can talk through some of this, what we see is there's effectively some type of measurable biological impact in almost every system that is measured, right? So what am I talking about there? I'm talking about, obviously, a lot of people care about brain tumors. Um, there is strong science linking uh, cell phone use and other similar forms of EMF to increased rates of brain tumors, particularly on the side of the head where you tend to hold your phone. But it's not just uh, cancers of the brain. There is a strong and growing science to other forms of cancer, including thyroid cancer, colorectal cancer, again, proximal to when people hold their phones in their pockets, and uh, prostate cancer. But again, it's not even just cancers. So you can see it, for instance, in the rates of DNA damage, which is the type of damage that leads to cellular mutations, which can manifest as disease. You see it in impact in the endocrine system, for example, uh, interfering with the production of melatonin, which then also mm -hmm. contributes to poor sleep, which then increases other issues, right? Because when you're not sleeping well, uh, your health suffers in other ways uh, from the reduced ability for your body to heal itself to increases in rates of anxiety and depression. And it's not just in humans, right? You see impacts throughout the natural world. So you see it in bird migration, you see it in bee colony health and its uh, sus suspected role in colony collapse disorder. You see it in uh, dolphin uh, migrations. Anything, any creature that relies on EMF, because the Earth has its own magnetic field. Uh, it's a very, very low powered one, but that's, you know, that's how a compass works. But there is a whole set of creatures on this planet that evolved to use that magnetic field in order to navigate. And when you throw such high powered uh, artificial forms of EMF into the equation, they lose that ability. And so you see impacts in uh, dolphin populations, sea turtle populations, other types of uh, marine and, uh, and land life. So I have a question about that quickly. Sorry, Stephanie. Um, so, you know, you talk about holding the phone to your ear or holding the phone in your pocket. So what if I'm sitting at my desk and the phone is three feet away from me, but my Wi-Fi is on? Is that mm -hmm. going to do as much damage as if the phone is in my pocket? Uh, like, how do you know? No, well, you know so I the mean? answer like, to how you know, right, is is uh, they sell these meters. I, I don't sell them, but I do recommend several. And you can use these meters to see what your exposure is in any given circumstance. Now, there are certain things that you can do uh, that you know will help, right? Because you can move further away from the Wi-Fi router or turn the Wi-Fi router off and you know that your exposure is going to be cut by that. Same with not carrying your phone in your pocket, moving it three feet away from you. That's going to cut your exposure. But then there's also whole sets of exposures that you're not going to know about unless and until you start measuring. So for instance, there could be just some strange wiring configuration in your wall. And at one part of your living room sofa, the levels are much, much higher just than at the other end of the sofa because of some invisible contributing factor that you would have no idea about unless you learned to, to you bought a good meter and learned how to test. So there's a lot of things that people can do that will, they know 
will cut their exposure. But there's also other exposures that you won't know about unless you go out and purchase a decent EMF meter and, and learn how to start testing with it. Now, to answer your question, I totally understand where that vibe is coming from, which is, oh, well, if I move the phone away here, but the Wi-Fi is there, right? In general, the general approach is, you know, adjust your relationship with the sources you know about. So that means regardless of the Wi-Fi, keep the phone further away. Right, because the further away the phone is, uh, the less your the lower your exposure is going to be from that device. Same for the Wi-Fi router itself. The further thing that it, the further away that thing is from where you and your loved ones spend their time, the lower the exposure is going to be. Because most people I know, even as much as I advocate everyone should go out and get a good meter and learn how to test, I know most people aren't going to do that. So instead, what you should do is take these basic precautions, and we can get into to, to what those are and how those work, but take these basic precautions to cut back on the exposures that in ways that, 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 that you find to be comfortable and fit into your uh, lifestyle. And we wanna dive in, I know you have lots of great suggestions, but just backing up a little bit, is there an what is an acceptable level of EMF exposure, if you will? I mean, we, we you, you talked about. I like how you said like there's the artificial forms, and the more natural form because you're getting that from the sun, and that's how our bodies evolved, and that's what our body is used to, you know. And if you could sort of wait almost, which are there devices or maybe it's where those devices are that have higher levels of EMF. Yeah. So I'm going to have a a good, but likely unsatisfying answer to that question as well, because it's a really good question. Um, the answer, and, and, and this is what my father would have said, and so I go around saying it too, there is no safe level, right? And it all depends on what you mean by safe, but there is absolutely no level that has been tested and proven to be uh, inert, right? We are talking about just varying degrees of risk. And, but the flip side of that is, is there's no way to eliminate all of it, right? So the, the, the purpose in me saying that isn't to freak out all of your listeners and say, oh, the world is ended, it's hopeless, right? That's not the point. But the point is to start realizing that this is a toxin and there is no safe level. The less of it there is, the safer it is. And that's really the approach one should take. The other side that of the, the other thing I wanna bring up in, in, in response to that question is none of this modern technology has been tested against the types of health effects that we are talking about here, right? So when you're talking about, for instance, a cell phone, and there's, there's a whole bunch of reasons why the cell phone regulations are misleading at best, right? It's not an effective regulatory regimen, but let's just say it is for the purposes of what I'm about to say. The entire safety standard is based on the cell phone not burning you when you use it. And that is not an exaggeration. That is literally what the safety standard is built, right? Because I said earlier, microwave ovens use the same type of radiation as a cell phone, but microwave ovens literally cook food and your cell phone, unless there's something really wrong, is not cooking you. So the, the reason I bring that up here is because you can have EMF with enough power that it literally cooks your tissue. And that everyone knows is really harmful. There's absolutely no debate that once you get enough power of EMF that it heats tissue, that that is harming you and your body and your health. And that 
is the standard by which all of these safety standards around the world are based. None are based on preventing uh, increased risk of cancer, uh, as one example, or increased risk uh, of infertility, as another example. So the safety standards that exist are not designed to protect your health against any of the types of health effects that uh, I, we were talking about earlier or of the broader range that have been documented. Okay, I don't even wanna ask this question because I'm scared to hear your answer, but I have an infrared sauna, which mm -hmm. I love and it, and it was tested. It was like third party tested, really low EMFs, but I'm definitely like heating up my tissue Right. Well, that's a little bit of a different situation because, oh, okay. <laughs> and I am not an expert, by the way, on, on this, but I do know that there are, um, I mean, I'm not an expert on, on this, on saunas or the, the, this particular subset of saunas, but I do know that there are a class of infrared saunas that are low EMF and that are advocated by other people in my community. So that's not the type of thing that I'm talking about here. Nice. <laughs> good. I'm glad I could give you one good answer. <laughs> That's one thing maybe I'm doing yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, you're, you're sweating out toxins, right? So what about um, in terms of the devices themselves? Well, actually, I'm going to change gears for one second. I've heard a lot about 5G being like horrible I remember like just reading all these articles and then, you know, it's like if you're one of those people saying that 5G is terrible, you're kind of like a, like a outlier and you believe in all these other things that maybe aren't mainstream. And then I've heard other people say, oh, it's fine. It's whatever. It's not that different from LTE or whatever. 3G. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I do. Uh, so just <laughs> as a starting point. Uh, there is a lot of misinformation on 5G on both sides. But if, if someone's, if you say that and their response is, it's perfectly safe, it's no different than 4G, you know, I can show you reams of science that says 4G is not safe. The, when 5G came out, uh, well, just as a starting point, so, so listeners understand what 5G is, the reason it's called 5G is because it is the fifth generation of cell phone network. So, uh, and the first one, I believe it was in 1979, that was 1G, then 2G, I think added text messaging, and then 3G added mobile data, then 4G made it faster, and now 5G is, is being deployed. And there was, and still is, a tremendous amount of misinformation about it. One of the reasons um, that people are so worried about it is because for the first time, 5G is deploying um, frequencies, remember energy, types of energy of EMF that have never before been used in consumer applications, right? So there was not a big change in terms of the, the band of frequencies that were used between 3G and 4G, but there is a big change between 4G and 5G. And so you have all of these new frequencies that have never been uh, used in consumer applications before. And again, because this is how wireless technology is deployed, uh, they've never been tested for long-term health effects, right? So that gives people the opportunity to freak out and to make things up. Uh, I believe that you'll see um, that 5G, because it's operating on different frequencies, you will likely see different 
uh, concentrations of disease and negative health outcomes, right? Because we've seen, while there's certain health impacts that seem to happen at every type of EMF, you see other ones that are really focused around different frequencies, right? So power lines, I'll give you an example, uh, are very strongly linked to childhood leukemia, whereas that isn't so much the case with cell phones. But FM radio is very strongly linked to melanoma, again, not leukemia, and that's also different from cell phones. So you see cer certain diseases tend to concentrate around different frequencies. And I think you'll find over time that the same thing will happen with 5G. But of course, we won't know that for you know 10 years, maybe 20 years, because that's how long it takes for these types of diseases to manifest. And of course, by that point, not only will we be, be too late, to undo that uh, will be on 6G or 7G because these tend to happen every 10 years. So I don't freak out about 5G because it's new and different uh, because I think we can make some reasonable predictions about what we are going to see. The part of 5G that I do like for people to focus on and to understand a little bit is that the whole purpose, remember I went through that generations, like this is what 1G was for, this is what 2G was for. Now, 5G is being marketed to people as a way to get super fast internet on your mobile devices, but that's not why they built it. The reason they built it is because the number of devices that are connecting to these networks has grown so much and will continue to grow so much. And so I'm not talking just about cell phones. I'm talking about uh, smart meters and um, smart cars, smart the data transfer requirements of a Tesla will blow your mind, right? And so the, the, the whole reason 5G was built was to enable a multiple order of magnitude expansion in the number of devices connecting to the network. And what that means, right, because each one of those devices is a source of EMF. So it has set the groundwork to enable a multiple order of magnitude explosion in the number of sources from which we are all exposed to this stuff. And that's the part about 5G that I think is the biggest threat to health and that I wish more people would focus on because that's, it's really the number of sources in our lives. If, if we all were, were contemporaries, right? Think back to what was in your home when you were growing up in terms of wireless communication. And now think of what's in your home right now, right? What 5G is set, and I didn't say it, but of course the answer is what's in your home right now is crazy high compared to what was in your home when you were growing up. And what 5G is laying the groundwork for is in five years and in 10 years, the number, the, the amount of EMF in your home and the number of sources of it is going to be much greater than it is even today. And today it is much greater than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So that it, it really is about the number of sources in our lives. Wow. And so, you know, I have questions just as parents, a lot of our listeners are parents, but before we dive into that, I mean, why, why isn't this being regulated? And you touched on it a little bit. And I know there's even like a warning somewhere on your phone. If you look for it, there's like some sort of warning that no one ever knows about or sees. But I remember back like when I got one of my first cell phones, you know, this is going back now 20 years. I do remember people talking about, oh yeah, don't hold it up to your head and brain tumors. And then we, that's when I had my first little like old school headpiece or whatever. And I was mm -hmm. living overseas at the time. And so everyone used a headpiece back then. This was a long time ago. 
Um, and then you just sort of like didn't hear about it anymore and you just got used to it and you got more devices and life went on. So why, why aren't there more warnings on this? Why aren't these studies more widely spread? I mean, I know it's because it's, you know, it's not going to make companies money if we stop buying these devices. But given the number of studies that you mentioned, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about some of those, because I know people mm -hmm. would be interested in kind of, you know, some people really like the science and they want science before they'll make any lifestyle changes. Why? I guess from a regulation standpoint, what's going on and why do you think there isn't more being done and this topic isn't more widely? Yeah. And that, yeah, that's a great question. I'll do my best to answer it, but it's also could be the topic just for a whole interview. But uh, as I mentioned, right, for many, many, many years, it was long thought that this stuff was biologically inert. So a lot of these technologies were formed at a time when humanity didn't have the knowledge that it has today. And I'll give you an example because my father is widely regarded as a leader in EMF health advocacy. And he, when he went through medical school and then he taught for his, his first years teaching at Columbia University Medical School, he taught that this was biologically inert, that this stuff was safe. It was only in the course of his career that he was exposed to the knowledge that led him to start reaching different conclusions. So we're talking about a legacy infrastructure of a long time that was built based on the assumption that this stuff was safe. Now, beyond that, you know, this is kind of how companies react to, well, actually, let me step, step back even a little bit further, right? Because of how many different types of things uh, emit EMF, there's no clear agency, and just using the example of the United States with which we're all most familiar, there's no clear agency that would be in charge of regulating this stuff, right? So the agency that regulates cell phones is not the same agency that regulates power lines. So there's already, you're setting up this kind of bureaucratic uh, structure that makes it very challenging to implement effective uh, regulations on this. But then you go in, in, in step further and the fact is that the, the agencies that could implement regulations are effectively controlled through a revolving door system by the industries that they purport to regulate. This is hardly unique to EMF and to cell phones. This is how government regulation works. And we see it very clearly time and time again. And I'll point people to the example, especially your younger listeners just may not fully appreciate how hard it was to get basic smoking regulations into play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the science was there for decades and they, they literally had doctors doing cigarette ads. Again, the, your young listeners, may they may know that, but I suspect they're blown away to learn that they had doctors doing cigarette ads. And we knew for decades what this was doing. And I'll add to that, right? Cigarettes, while they were big business, they hardly formed this, the underpinning of modern society. The types of things we're talking about here, right? There's, there's real social impact in terms of the value that they contribute to the modern world. And so it's even, it's, it's just so much harder to get mm -hmm. this stuff. I'll, I'll give you another example that isn't tobacco that I doubt you know, other people have come on your show and talked about, but I don't know if you saw um, there was a, a movie with Will Smith a few years ago called Concussion, and he played this doctor who discovered uh, that 
that um, CTE, right? I think it's chronic uh, traumatic encephalopathy in football players, right? So there was this doctor who, who discovered that football players were getting brain damage from the sport, right? These, these are people who are ramming their head with the force of a jackhammer over and over and over again. And he said, I think I have the data that shows that this is causing brain damage. And he, I mean, so you think, right? I mean, it's obvious if you're ramming your head with the force of a jackhammer hundreds of times a day, that that could cause brain damage instead of them just accepting those facts and learning how to deal with them as they eventually did, they destroyed this guy's career and buried the information. This is, again, this is not conspiracy think, uh, theory stuff. This is literally what happened. And that's an example that it should be immediately obvious to everybody that ramming your head with the force of a jackhammer causes brain damage. So again, you see this time and time and time again. And when, you, when it comes to EMF, and I know I'm rambling, so I'll stop at the end of this. But when it comes to EMF, you also have to appreciate that there is uh, people love their EMF emitting technology. So you have this force that's invisible. You have the science that's a little complicated. And then you have the fact that no one wants to hear it. And it makes it really hard to achieve regulatory change. Not impossible. It just takes time. And that's, that's, that's the set of forces that you are seeing when you ask why is this not being regulated more effectively? So I, that totally makes sense. And I, I really want us to have a chance to dive into your products and also what are things people can do. But before we get there, I would love to know one or two of like the top studies, if you know, if you have some off the top sure. of your head, yeah. well, that, that we could direct listeners to, because I think you know, finding reputable studies on this topic would maybe help people and convince people more than just talking about it. Right. Actually seeing it being studied and seeing the results of the studies. Yeah. Well, so I, and I'll, I'll give you a couple, but one uh, starting point, if anyone is interested in this stuff, there's a report. It was put out in 2008 and then revised in 2012. My father was one of the authors. It is called the Bioinitiative Report, and it's at bioinitiative.org. And this group of international scientists sat down and started reviewing thousands of studies on this stuff. And then they published their conclusions. So both the conclusions and the bibliography for this study are posted at bioinitiative.org. And again, that's a survey of thousands of studies. But you ask for a couple of significant ones. Um, there is a set of studies uh, uh, conducted by two doctors, uh, two scientists, uh, Dr. Narendra Singh and Dr. Henry Lai. And um, Dr. Henry Lai actually still gives talks. Um, and this was in the early 90s. And they found that exposure to cordless phone radiation led to uh, increases in what are called DNA strand breaks. So DNA is formed of two strands. Um, and so when a strand, when one strand breaks, oh, well, let's start. When, when both strands break, that's called a double strand break. And the cell engages in a process effectively of suicide. It's called apoptosis. The cell kills itself. When one strand breaks, right, the other strand has all the mirror information. So the cell tries to replicate the broken strand. And that's a process through which mutations can occur. And that's how diseases can form. 
So what he found, what they both found, and this, this is across multiple studies, peer reviewed, that have been replicated numerous times around the world by other scientific research groups. What they found is that exposure to cordless phone radiation, which is equivalent to cell phone radiation, led to a big increase in the rate of strand breaks. What was even more concerning in that study is that the rate of the increased rate of DNA damage persisted for hours after the initial exposure, right? So what you have there, that's not like me coming to you with a study that says cell phones cause cancer. I'll, I'll do that one next. But this is a key mechanism by which multiple types of diseases can manifest, right? Because every cell in our body, every cell in every living thing has DNA. And what they showed is that radio frequency EMF uh, can, can destroy the basic building block of all life on earth. And that is again, uh, Henry Lai and Narendra Singh. So that is a big one that we talk about in overpowered and I get the, the question you just asked me, I get a lot. And that's always the first study that I, I bring up. Second study is by uh, a researcher in Europe called Leif Salford. And he's done a lot of work, uh, and, but I'm gonna talk here about a 2007 study it was a very large study of cell phone use in Europe. And uh, that study, it's a, like I say, it's a lot of, a lot of research subject, subjects. There's a lot of conclusions, but I, uh, there's one that I, I just want to, to, one of the multiple conclusions from that study that I'll just bring up for um, impact, which is for the people who spent 2000 hours cumulatively on their cell phone, 10 years later, had a 640% increased risk of forming a malignant brain tumor on the side of their head where they held their phone. So that's a 6.4 times greater risk. And that, that it's only 2000 hours. This was back in 2007. We, this was before the iPhone, right? We use our phones a lot more now. Now, fortunately, a lot of us use them for texting and so forth, and that you're not holding it up to the side of your head. But again, 2000 cumulative hours of talking on your phone, 10 years later, led to a 640% increased risk of malignant brain tumor on the side of your head where you held your phone. But then can you huh. get, if you're holding it in your hands, like, you know, a wrist cancer or yeah, I mean, like, is it that wrist a cancer proximity has... thing or is it a, <laughs> yes, like, yes, it yes. is a proximity okay. thing. So, so like if a man is holding it, you know, you said fertility issues, mm -hmm. um, there's another kind of cancer. I'm blanking on what it's called. Prostate. Moment, but um, no, not, oh. um, testicular? anyway, okay. Yeah, yeah. Testicular cancer. Like uh -huh. you hear about that in young people more often. Right. So I don't know if that's attributed yeah. to well, cell phones or not, but yeah, I'm not aware. I mean, that doesn't mean it exists. There's a lot of science out there and I am, I am, I am not a scientist, so I, I don't mm -hmm. spend my time keeping up with every study. There are other people right, who do, right, right, right. Um, but there, so there may be science on testicular cancer rates. I do know, like I mentioned, uh, prostate cancer and colorectal cancer rates are uh, increasingly linked to cell phone proximity. But the answer to your question is, yes, proximity makes a big difference. And uh, the reason for that is because the power of exposure, the power of your exposure uh, is, is uh, so let me, let me, the power of your exposure is, uh, is expo it, it diminishes exponentially with distance. I apologize for stumbling on that sentence. I don't know exactly why I did, but it diminishes exponentially with distance. And so what that means is if your cell phone is one inch away from your body, 
and then you move it two inches away from your body. So you've doubled the distance. The power of your own exposure drops 75%, right? So distance is a huge factor when it comes to how much EMF you're being exposed to in real life. Um, and so, yes, when you're holding your phone in your hand, your hand is getting a pretty good dose, but you know, it's not your brain and it's not your gonads uh, where it's much further away from those important uh, organs, right? So, and, and all things equal, I would much rather have higher exposure in my hand and lower exposure in my brain uh, because, because of the import, relative importance I assign to the value of my brain in my life. Right. Well, maybe this is a good time to talk a little bit about those practical ways. I know you have a lot of suggestions and then also dive into the products that you have. Cause I mean, if we think about it, I'm just thinking about kids in general, like they keep it, they keep everything in their pockets. They're so their phones are so close to their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also want to talk about these AirPods, mm -hmm. um, and some of the other products these. out there too. Yeah. Yes. Oh, the yeah. watches. Which yeah. I have taken off and I have it sitting away from me on the desk and Excellent. I put it on when I walk. <laughs> Did you guys get yep. the the wristbands, by the way? Yes, we did. Okay. I used it. The, yeah. I yes, did use it the you. other day. I put it on. Um, <laughs> I, I need to do that too. It just it's one of those things. Is that it's a new habit. Um, but I will say, our I did walk the last two times I walked. I just used one of these old school. I'm just holding up Excellent. the little the headphones that come with your phone. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to you know, do some of the things that I know you're going to share with our audience today. Yes. Yeah, so and 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 I. I, I I, uh, I want to emphasize, even though we will talk about my products in a little bit, EMF protection products should always be what I call a second line of defense. Your most effective ways of reducing your exposure are going to be the types of behavioral changes that I'm about to talk about. So it all comes down to what I call the two key rules of EMF protection. The first is minimize and the second is maximize. So minimize is about minimizing the number of the, 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 the number of sources of EMF in your life. And, and again, I take this approach, uh, I am not a purist, I'm not an ideologue, I deal with regular consumers all day long. I take the approach that there are these ways that you can do this without negatively impacting your quality of life or your ability to enjoy modern technology. So what do I mean by minimize? Well, I mean, you know, first off, don't buy every piece of smart tech that comes out just because it sounds cool. An example I give for this is smart refrigerators, right? I've yet to ever talk to anybody who can give me a compelling use case for why they need their refrigerator to be smart. Your refrigerator, by the way, is already a big source of EMF just because of the amount of power it takes to run this thing. You don't also need it to be a source of radio frequency or microwave. Um, but then that's an example of just sit back and think, do I really need this source of EMF in my life? Uh, does, it, does it add any value to my life that my refrigerator is smart? And the answer a lot of times is no. And so skip buying new pieces of smart tech just because they're there and just because they're being marketed to you. Uh, but another way of minimizing, I said earlier, right, turning off your Wi-Fi at night. That you, you're using Wi-Fi all day, that's great. You know, use it as much as you want, but then turn it off when you're not using it because you're not using it, right? You're not gonna sacrifice your ability to watch Netflix or whatever you're doing. Um, and if you don't do this, you're getting exposed all night long 
when you're you're not getting any benefit out of that exposure. Can I ask you a question about yeah. that? Yes. How does one do that? Like I like, do you mean on your phone just turn off your Wi-Fi? Well, or you, do you want mean, to do like, that in your too. Whole house. I'm like, talking about the whole house. I wouldn't even know how to do that. Well, so it it you you plug your Wi-Fi router into the wall, right? So you just unplug it. Somewhere. I don't even know. <laughs> Oh, Probably well. in your utility room. Or, I, right? I'm guessing it's in our utility room in the basement. Okay, so that's where, or you can put it, if you don't want to have to think about it every day, put it on a timer. Like, you know, those light switch timers, like when you're traveling and you want people to think you're home, right? You can use that and plug your Wi-Fi router into that, and then it'll happen every night uh, automatically so, without even thinking about it. I feel like my phone will then just go right into LTE. It will. Like Well, so... So, so then is that any different? Um, well, first off, if, if if you're cutting out a source, your exposure is going to be less. So even if your phone is still an LTE, but your Wi-Fi is off, your exposure will be less because the Wi-Fi is off. But if we're talking about at night, this is another example, your phone should not be near you when you are sleeping. Um, but that, that actually gets into rule number two. So I'll come back to that in just one second. Or you put your phone into airplane mode, right? And mm -hmm. when I say airplane mode, I'm not talking just about turning off cell data, turning off LTE. I'm talking about turning off LTE, talking about turning off Wi-Fi, turning off Bluetooth, turning, go mm -hmm. in full airplane mode. That is another example of minimizing your, uh, your use of EMF emitting technology because you're not giving up your phone. You're just turning off the EMF when you're not actively using it. Now, the second rule, which uh, Can is, I have a quick question? Sorry yes. to interrupt, but I mentioned this the other day and our, I believe our um, security network is connected to the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So is, is there a way around that? Because oh, especially when my husband travels, I always set the alarm. And I know when the Wi-Fi goes off, we get that beeping noise. Yeah. Well, this is part of the, so once this, once you start <laughs> building on the inverse, no, I mean, the, 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 there's I have no the clear, same issue. Yeah. Well then, no, there's no way to, I mean, it, I mean, there might be a way, and I don't know, you're going to have to talk to your alarm company provider to see if that can run off of ethernet. If that can run off of ethernet, then you can turn off your Wi-Fi without uh, sacrificing your security system. But no, if you live in a place where your security system is based off of solely off of Wi-Fi technology, there's no way of turning off Wi-Fi and still having your security system functional. Okay. So in that case, you know, if you're not able to, to, to make that change, I say, don't worry about it and focus on other areas of your life where you can make these changes and have an impact on your exposure. Because the goal here isn't to stress or to worry that you're not doing enough. The goal here is to realize that there's plenty that you can do. And even if you're not doing like the number one thing I'm saying you should do, there's still so much else that you can, there is so much EMF in our environments. There are so, there, that means there are plenty of opportunities to do something about it and then lower your health risk from this toxin. So we okay. can all turn our phones to airplane mode at night and yes. we can all move our phones out of the bedroom. So that's like the that's, second key those rule. Those are things that we those, can definitely do, yeah, right? That's the yeah. second key rule, which is maximum. Remember, minimize was one, minimize your use. Mm -hmm. Two is maximize, which is maximize the distance, which we touched on just a few minutes ago when I was telling you about the power of the exposure diminishing exponentially with distance. And that's why if you keep your phone on at night, it should not be anywhere near you. It should be, I mean, people like a number. So uh, 
the number is six feet away. Um, but really, it should be in a different room. And there's actually plenty of science, a growing amount of science, uh, totally separate from the EMF issue, that just the mere presence of your phone in your room, even in airplane mode, is going to disrupt your quality of sleep because of uh, anxieties and dopamine triggers that this device um, is 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 resulting in in in, in your body, um, and this is a, an emerging area of science that goes way beyond what what technology is doing to us and our health. That goes way beyond just the pure uh, EMF side of things. So there's plenty of that's all by way of saying there's plenty of reason not to keep your phone in your room that go beyond EMF. But if you're going to keep your phone on just from an EMF perspective, keep it in another room while you're sleeping. Um, and, uh, another example of distance, I, I, I already said this earlier, but don't carry your phone in your pocket or your bra. These phones are really high powered devices, right? They're designed to be able to communicate miles to the nearest cell tower if they have to. And when it's right up against your body, you are getting the maximal possible dose that this overpowered device has to give. If you move it even a few inches away, you've made a really big difference in your exposure. If you move it feet away, you've made an even bigger difference in your exposure. Uh, another, th by the way, this is related to why we, when we were talking earlier, I said I, you know, I have very strong opinions on AirPods. The reason uh, any Bluetooth, I, I have very strongly negative feelings about any Bluetooth headset is because it is impossible to create that distance. These, th this whole class of wearable technology of which, you know, I include Bluetooth headsets, it, it is designed to, there is no safer way of using it by and large, right? So with AirPods and other Bluetooth headsets, there, there's no way to create that distance. It's up there right near your brain in a part of your head where there's no skull providing any degree of natural shielding. And you tend to use them for extended periods of time. It's another one of these products that has been deployed and released into general public without any long-term testing into what the health effects are, because we are effectively the lab rats in that experiment. That was so scary because, I mean, so many people use AirPods every mm -hmm. single day, like all day long. All, all day long. Yep. No, I, I know. There's... The, 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 and it's, it's just, and the, the other thing to remember about it is that it is, it's still, it's, it's in addition to all the other exposures that we all have. And especially the children who are growing up today have, because the children who are a children are more vulnerable to this type of damage physiologically, but B they right. When we were, you know, let's say we were six years old, we had much less exposure than the kids who are six years old today. And, and, and so the kids who are six years old today have, have decades and decades to live where those uh, incredibly high exposures are just going to grow. And every new thing that comes out, it, it's not like it's replacing anything else. These are all additive. They are adding to our cumulative exposures, which is increasing our individual risk of developing multiple negative health outcomes. So I have a question about that. So like, let's say you are, you hold your phone for one day next to your body the whole day. 
And then the next day you think about it and you're like, oh, I should not have done that. Is there a way to like reverse that damage or is it cumulative over time? It or is cumulative. Or are there things we can do? So, there's, so the no, damage no, there that's is, already there been is, done is no, done. No, no, no. The both things can be true, right? So okay. <laughs> the impact of exposure, uh, the impact of cumulative exposure does increase your health risk. But living a healthier life um, will make you more resilient against damage from this and any other number of, of different toxins. So there are, uh, and we have some content on this. I, I am not personally a nutrition expert, but I work with some, and we have content about this on uh, my website about the use of nutrition to combat uh, the damage from EMF exposure. Um, we have stuff, information on my website about the use of grounding, that is walking barefoot on the earth to help undo some uh, of the damage from EMF exposure. And of course, just exercise uh, helps you become more resilient, again, to any number of different toxins, EMF included. So yes, lifestyle decisions will certainly impact um, how well your body recovers and recuperates uh, from exposure to any damaging force, EMF included. So I'm curious because we... Well, like Marty and I, for instance, run this liver detox. It's a functional medicine liver detox to remove toxins from your liver. Are these toxins that we get from EMF similar to other toxins in the products we put on our skin or the chemicals in our food? Or how no, is, there, is there a way to like detox them from your body? Well, there's ways of detox. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the answer to your question, EMF is different because EMF doesn't reside in your body, right? So if you drink lead contaminated water as a extreme example, that lead is in your body until yeah. it works its way through or you do something about it. With EMF, it's, it's a form of energy that passes, effectively passes through your body and has impact while it's doing so. Now, there are certain measurable uh, impacts, of, like there are certain biometrics that you can investigate if this is, if, if you were talking about how to undo the damage. So for instance, uh, the accumulation of free radicals is um, is a big one that can result from EMF damage. And there are ways of reducing the accumulation of free radicals. Po uh, the accumulation of positive ionization in your body is uh, something that can be a result of EMF exposure um, that can be undone, for instance, with certain nutritional approaches or even with grounding. Just walking barefoot on the beach helps uh, decrease the amount uh, discharge the positive ionization in your body and help undo some of this damage. So, but the answer is you won't like if, 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 you know, you just to be a little gruesome, you just cut somebody open, you wouldn't see all the EMF flowing around in there, right? You, you'd, you'd see some of the biological impacts and results yeah. of the exposures. Okay. All right. Well, just curious. So can we, I know we're going to have to start wrapping up this conversation, which has been fascinating. We almost need to do a two part here. Um, <laughs> let's talk about some of your products that you sure. can use um, to help reduce and minimize the exposure. Okay. Well, so as I mentioned before, right, the best things you can do are those free things, the minimize use and maximize distance, because there is no form of EMF protection that just undoes EMF, that blocks EMF, right? Um, the, and and there's, uh, there's plenty of other types of EMF protection with absolutely no science to support the claims. But regardless, there's no, like, there's nothing, and I know consumers want this, there's no way, there's no product that you can just go out and buy and it makes EMF okay, right? That doesn't exist. So doing the free things 
uh, that I was talking about, uh, that is that is your best and most effective thing to do. And I talk about those, by the way, in the in the guide that people can download uh, right at the homepage of shieldyourbody.com. But there are there are, for there there is value in high quality EMF protection, even though the best things you can do are those behavioral changes. Right? I'll give you an example. I have a product. It's called my SYB phone pouch. And the phone pouch makes it safer to carry your phone. Now, the best way to carry your phone is not in your pocket or in your bra or on your person or to turn it into airplane mode if you do. But there are a lot of people who either uh, aren't able to do that or aren't willing to do that, right? Because there is no other, like, where am I going to carry it? It's got to be in a pocket and it's got to be on right? Because of work or I'm expecting a really important call. So that's an example of where a good product like the SYB phone pouch comes into play. Now, the way that product works and the, all of my products are based on EMF shielding technology. This is universally accepted, uh, easily measured uh, products, right? That it, uh, it is basically existed for about 200 years since Michael Faraday in first invented the Faraday cage. And what he showed uh, 200 years ago is that if you weave conductive uh, metals into certain patterns, you block and deflect EMF into the other direction where it dissipates. So it works just like you know, a window shade blocks sunlight, EMF shielding blocks and deflects EMF in the opposite direction. So with my foam pouch, we have the back of the pouch is lined with this radiation shielding and the front isn't. And that's how you can carry your phone more safely, deflecting this radiation away from your body while your phone can still work and receive calls and text messages and so forth. So that's, that's a very popular product. And that's a good example of even though the, 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 the optimal action is to not carry your phone or to put it in airplane mode, there is still a role for good EMF protection. Now, again, I want to be clear, uh, and we can talk about a couple other products, but I want to be clear right? If, 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 if your listeners go just go out and Google EMF protection, they're, they're going to find a lot of things. And I don't mean just like people that I consider to be competitors of mine. I mean, like a lot of different things like crystals and stickers that make things perfect and <laughs> harmonizers and things, right? And I have this whole lesson available for people on our YouTube channel, but the whole thing is how to evaluate product claims from that, 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 that purport to be EMF protection, because there's a lot of stuff out there that has no science to support it or has pseudoscience to support it. Everything that I make and sell is based on real science. All of my products have been tested. All of my shielding products have been tested at independent laboratories. And I uh, give people a free ebook um, uh, showing them how they can verify my product claims for themselves at home using consumer grade EMF detection uh, tools. So that is, that is something that I, I, I take very seriously because my father's legacy is intricately intertwined in, in my company's behavior. And so I take this very seriously. I also don't like people just being suckered and thinking they're getting EMF protection and they're not. And so they're walking around with this undeserved confidence even after they've been swindled. So it is very important that people understand not all EMF protection options are the same. And I strongly advise that people uh, work with or give business to a company who, whose products are based on real science and that have the data to show that it actually does what, what, what we claim it does.
That's and, really and all of these products are on shieldyourbody.com. Yes, thank, thank you. My people, web, yeah. I, no, I people appreciate We'll link that up in the show notes. And um, you have the guide on your website mm-hmm. as well. And it sounds like you have a bunch of um, YouTube videos as well. Yeah, YouTube is definitely a, a great for anyone who wants to learn more about EMM. We have a bunch of great videos up there. We've done a lot of webinars with me and some other very talented and expert individuals. All of that gets archived up there. All our podcast episodes get up. That is a great repository of a lot of information for people who want to learn about this stuff. And we'll link all this up in the show notes. And just to mention, you do have a podcast, the Healthier yes. Tech, Tech Podcast. Yes, the Healthier Tech Podcast. Yes, thank yes. you. Yeah. And that was, uh, I started that um because, uh, and I think I, I brought this up a little bit earlier when I was talking about cell phones in the bedroom, but I realized that EMF is, I mean, I, I do a lot of work in EMF and it's important. And I think the work that I do is, is, is very helpful to a lot of people in terms of educating, you know, what it can be a complex subject, um, an important and complex subject. But I realized there are a growing number of issues uh, health, effectively health issues stemming from our relationships with modern technology. So it's not just about the health risk uh, from exposure to your phone. It is about um, what social media networks are doing to uh, our minds and our children's minds. It is about uh, the expectations of being constantly connected to your job. And if you don't do that, you know, your, your uh, professional life will suffer, right? There are all of these issues that are related, directly related to our relationships with modern technology that impact our health that have nothing to do with EMF. And I wanted uh, to create the podcast so that we had this forum in order to have these discussions with experts who can help educate us on, on these things. So one example in the most recent season, um, we had on a member of the European Parliament who is leading the charge um, for what is known as the right to disconnect, which already exists in a couple of countries, but he is working hard to pass it as the law in the entire European Union, which gives people the right to not have to answer their phone when they leave work. It sounds simple, but it, 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 it is soon going to be a human right in Europe that that is the case, even as in the United States, it's a completely foreign concept. So these are the types of uh, interviews uh, that, that we have on the Healthier Tech podcast. Well, that's wow, amazing. That sounds... I, I love that. And just from lived, this was a long time ago, I did live in Europe for a few years. And if anyone can pull that off, the Europeans can, because they appreciate <laughs> and respect their private, their personal time and their family time outside of the office more than the average American. I'll just leave it at that. That's a topic for another day. And I do remember there was, you had an interesting guest on about, it was an educator in New England, just for parents out oh, there, C- the, te- C- the technology C- in the classroom, right? Yeah, when C- our kids C- leave so. the house. So yeah, more, lots to come on this. Um, we we I could love do what a you're part doing. two to this. We There's easily so could do a part to two. Talk about. Because well, I love I'll, the lifestyle, the lifestyle uh, stuff you're talking about outside of the EMFs is really yeah. powerful, really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm always, I'm always happy to talk. So we, yeah. we just, if you want to do a part two, I'm more than happy. We also want to mention that you have a coupon, coupon code, um, living well for 15% off of your products at 
um, shieldyourbody.com. Yep. So. And of course, I mean, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are American. So, uh, but I also, uh, and, and of course we ship in the United States, but we also have fast, affordable shipping through our website in Canada, the UK and the European union. So anyone who happens to be catching this from around, uh, all of, you know, NATO membership, uh, we, <laughs> we, uh, we, we, we offer really convenient shipping options. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. So our, as we wrap up this conversation, one question we like to ask all of our guests is, what does the art of living well mean to you? Yeah, so, and this has changed a lot for me um, as my life has changed quite significantly uh, following uh, COVID. Um, and, and that's not a comment on the disease, but just the impact on the, the world. Um, living well to me means feeling content with what you have. And that is, um, I told you it wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna give you a long answer to that one, but that is the, that is the most truthful answer that I can think of uh, at this moment. Uh, because at this moment I have, I, have, I have a greater degree of contentment than I believe I have ever had. And what it does to my entire outlook on life and business and just getting to meet people like you, it, it's, it, that is what I believe living well is. That's beautiful. Awesome. And I love so simple. Too, so right? simple. <laughs> we all want to just be content with what we have. I love yeah. it. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast today. We know this is going to spark a lot of good dialogue with our listeners and Marnie and I are um, excited about making some changes. And I actually told my uh, recently turned 17 year old last night as he was doing homework on his bed with his laptop on his lap. I said, I'm going to buy you something. Cause I know on your website you have right. Like the laptop uh-huh. protector. And, and I said, and I told him I was interviewing you and he was actually open to it. He was kind of like, okay, so that's the next Excellent. purchase I'm making. So Excellent. thank Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you both so yes, much. This has been you. really, this really is- great. I really enjoyed it. Such an important topic. So thank you for sharing your information with our listeners. All right. Have a great day, R. You too. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.